stages of Christian growth. Last week, we looked at the first stage. The very first stage of Christian growth is when you come into the kingdom of God, when you get saved. And what happens when you first get saved is a series of identifications. You need to begin to identify, and and that is huge. We saw last week that you have to identify that there is a God. You identify that you are a sinner. You then identify that there is a Savior. And you identify that as a sinner, Christ died for you. So you therefore have to identify with him on the cross because he died for our sins. That identification is huge, that you've been identified with Christ on the cross so that when he was buried, you are identified in his burial. When he rose from the dead, you're identified in his resurrection. That's why when we baptize people, we put them under the water and we bring them out again. You wouldn't want me to leave them there. Some of you might, but I want to pull them back out. They're new in Jesus. You have to be identified in Christ, and that is your new identity. You're no longer identified in Adam, and you're no longer identified in sin. You are now identified in Christ, and you're identified in his righteousness. So that's our first stage of Christian growth. And it takes many Christians many years, if they're not properly taught, to even become identified as the righteousness of Christ. People labor and work to try to please God when they didn't realize right at their birthing they were made righteous. And they live out that righteousness. And that's where we come to the second growth stage. And we come to the second stage, which is the walk. The walk. We need to learn how to walk now. And I uh, like uh, what Colossians says On your outline, Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. There's your two indicators as what a walk is. Increase in your knowledge of the Lord and bear good fruit. Increase in your knowledge of the Lord and bear good fruit. That's the walk. Now that you're saved, we got to get into the walk, right? Increase in the knowledge of the Lord and bear good fruit. Jesus said, what kind of fruit does he want? Fruit that lasts. It's eternal fruit. It's good fruit of his nature. So Paul says, I want to teach you, and I've been praying that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. What do you think that means? A manner worthy of the Lord. Holy, righteous unto God, right. Mm -hmm. As Jesus walked. You know, we're representing Christ. We want to walk in a manner that is pleasing unto God. So we want to walk like Jesus walked. We want to be holy. We want to be righteous. We want to portray Christ in all of our ways, how we talk, how we act at all times. At all times. That this new nature in us needs to begin bearing fruit that shows up in our walk. I find it interesting that the Scriptures continually use the term walk for our Christianity. What do you think of when you hear of walk? Why why would the scriptures choose walking? 
Direction, moving, yeah. Right, not standing still. Going from one point to another point, getting somewhere. It's a walk, it's alive, it is active, it is moving. And our Christian walk needs to be active and alive. It is not just a belief system. A belief system is a thought. Go ahead. That's right. We're moving ahead. We are progressing. And that's why I'm showing you these growth stages because God's plan for your life is from glory to glory. In the NIV, I like it says, with ever-increasing glory. It is a positive walk. It's a forward walk. He keeps adding to it. Our perspective is, I'm not getting very far. I stumbled. I did this. God, that's just part of the walk. Get up. Let's keep going. God's got a plan for us. Amen? And we are progressing in it. Now, he says this, and I gave you the scripture references so that you can look them up, but I'll just bullet point them. And the, the word of God says, I want you to walk in a newness of life. In other words, not your old walk. Right? Huh? Some of you used to walk a certain way. You know, some people walk with a certain walk with an attitude. God's given you a new attitude. I think that's a song, isn't it? I got a new attitude. Well, it's Jesus that's got a, given you a new attitude. You have to have a new walk. So he wants you to walk in a newness of life. He wants you to walk according to the Spirit, not the flesh. He wants you to walk by faith, not by sight. And we'll reference back to that fog that is really billowing in over this nation. It is getting crazy uh, if you listen to the news. Uh, it's interesting we're actually going to have to argue with people between what is right and wrong in the most simplest and basic ways. Uh, morality is so fogged over now that it's messed up. So we need to walk by faith, not by sight. We need to walk in good works that are prepared for you. You're Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which you are to walk in. All right? So there's works he's prepared for us. We are to walk in love. We are to walk as children of light. There it goes again. Turn your lights on. And we are to walk in truth. The truth in love, the truth in love, that's another thing that the Lord is really activating for this hour. The truth in love, the truth in love. Speak it out. And then last of all, the truth according to God's command, that we are to love God. If you love God, you will keep His commands. And so this is a walk. It's a progression. All right? Christianity isn't an arrival point. You keep walking. You keep growing. Psalm 1 said, I don't want you sitting, walking with those who are liars, sitting in the seat of those who are scornful. Walk with Jesus, right? Keep walking. So that's the phase we're in for growing in the Lord. And I want to use this story found in John 5, 8, kind of to, to give us an idea of the theme of walking. I'm going to tell you the story. You can read it before you go to sleep tonight in John chapter 5. It's the story of the man, the, the paralytic man by the pool of Bethesda. He is there and he is on a mat and he cannot move. You imagine he's been sitting on this mat because it's all uh, cement and rock around the pool. And there was a tradition, a Jewish tradition, that when the water was stirred, 
that an angel came down from the Lord and stirred the water, and people tried to get into the water, and the first one in would get healed. Right? Now that's what their tradition was. And so Jesus decided to go visit that pool, and all the lame were there, all the sick, all the people just trying to get in. You know, it's kind of like the lottery. You know who buys lottery tickets? Yeah, people, all the, the financially lame and the financially sick and those who think if I could just get this, uh, it's up to five trillion billion, if I could just get it and win it, then you'll be a mess. All money does is magnify your character. That's all it does. It just magnifies your character. But anyways, it's kind of like the lottery. Who can get in first? And so Jesus passes by. Here's this man. And boy, when you read this, the audacity of Jesus says, why don't you get up? (laughs) I'd like to. Let's get in the water. Then he asks the guy, you want to get healed? Well, yeah. And he just tells the man, listen, pick up your mat and walk. And something happens. But before he even said that, the man said, I I would love to get up and get to that pool, but I can't every time I try to move. He was was like 38 years that he was paralyzed. Uh, Someone else gets in, I can't, I can't do this. And he tells the man, just pick up your mat and walk. And something begins to happen in his body, something he feels, he moves, he, he goes ahead, he gets up, he can walk. And he picks up his mat, because Jesus told him to do what? Pick up your mat. Pick up your mat and walk. In other words, leave this place behind. Leave this place behind. That is the greatest thing you could do to strengthen your walk in the Lord. And what I'm preaching you tonight is really in the mirror to me. So you just happen to be with me here because I I can feel already the Holy Spirit saying that's you boy whatever is in your life we need to leave that place behind so many of us keep our mat keep a spot right he had a mat he had a spot he had a place that's reserved for me he said take that mat up and get out of here leave that place behind don't go back to the familiar don't go back to your place get out of here in a healthy way and that's what a walk does he took the man crippled and he told him you have to get up and move and he got up in response to the lord now here's where faith kicks in and this is what happens to us as pentecostals we pentecostals want the holy spirit to do it We do. We say, God, fix this. Holy Spirit, change that. Come on. And what he's saying is, by faith, you change the way you're thinking about it. You change the way you're talking about it. You change the way you're dealing with it. Pick up your mat and move from out of this place. And so this is part of the walk. We have got to get out of where we were. And that's hard. How many of you remember when you first got saved? 
right? You first got saved, and now there's something inside you that's saying, I'm uncomfortable where you're familiar with. I'm uncomfortable with the way you talk. I'm uncomfortable with the lying you continue to lie with. I'm uncomfortable with the friends you're hanging with. Does anybody remember that? And the Holy Spirit says, can we, can we pick up our mat and move on? You imagine picking that mat up. Do you imagine what that mat was? That mat was urine-soaked. Let's get real. Right? Man was paralyzed. Where do you think he's going to go to the bathroom? That thing smelled. He laid on it. People walked across it. It stunk. He said, you get that thing, pick it up. Now, what do you think he wanted to do with it? Is he going to use that mat again? No, but he wants him to realize you don't have a place by this pool anymore. Take it away. And what it becomes now is his testimony. This used to be me. I identified myself with this filthy mat because that was my only comfort. But now I am free of it and I walk in Jesus. I have a new walk, a new identity. We're back to identity. That's huge. All right, so he says, pick up your mat and walk. Get out of the place of death. Now, what I find interesting is this. Blows my mind. The man's healed, right? 38 years. I forget what's on the paper there. 38, okay. 38 years paralyzed, right? He gets healed instantaneously. He's moving around town. People recognize who he is. And guess what the religious leaders say? Hey, what are you picking up? What are you carrying that mat for? This is the Sabbath. Really? Why do you think Jesus asked him to pick that mat up? <laughs> Jesus did that on purpose. Just to rattle up those religious people. Have you ever been rattled by Jesus? Has, has he ever just rattled you? Messed you up? So to despite you, you know, just so that you would have to think of him and go, what's wrong with me? But he said, I want you to pick up that mat and walk. I'll do it. Picked up that mat and for all the reasons I just explained. But then there's another reason. He's picking up the mat and the first he says, hey, 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 this is the Sabbath. Dude, I just been healed 38 years. Well, that's fine. Put the mat down. Wow. Really? Wow. And that's the danger of this time in our Christian walk, whatever stage you're at. That's what's hard. How many of you remember seeing Christians, and maybe you're in this place, where you're, you're beginning to walk in Christ, you're learning in Christ. I remember this with me. I was so hungry. I was eating the Word of God, listening to every sermon on CD. Back then it was cassette tapes. And I was watching TV, and I was listening to Christian radio, and looking at Christian this and Christian that. I was just... I was just loving it, man. I was at every prayer meeting. I was doing everything, trying to learn and grow and walk and all that. And then I got some bad teaching. And then I got some teaching that you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. Walk like this. Walk in a straight line. Walk. You can't walk like... Anybody get caught up in that stuff? Because you have such a zeal to please God, honor God, be right with God, and you got everybody telling you, don't do that, do this, do that, right? You want to praise God, put a hand up. No, both hands up like that. You're not going to receive if you have them like that. Put them like this. Wow. Just like the Pharisees. I've just been saved by God. He put his spirit in me. 
And we're going, that's fine, but don't sit there. Wow. So we've got to learn to walk, but we've, we've got to be careful. So you've got to watch out because as soon as you get saved and as soon as you begin walking for Christ, you have an enemy who wants to trip you up. And so he's going to send people around. You've now been marked. And that man went around and he was confused and he said, I don't know who healed me. I don't know who he was and this and that. Who healed you? Tell us this. And Jesus sees him again later on and he says, stop sinning. Or something worse will happen. In other words, straighten up and fly right, pal. And, and so he, he gets his act together and, and the Pharisees are just perturbed by Jesus that he would heal someone on the Sabbath. And so what happens is when you get saved, it affects a couple realms. Number one, it'll affect those around you who had a status quo that they don't want changed, right? It will also affect religious people who are convicted by your zeal. And it'll also stir up an enemy who wants to make sure you fall. And we've got to be watching while we're walking. That's why it's so important for us as brothers and sisters, as people are getting saved and coming into this congregation, it is our place to prop them up and walk with them instead of being the people who are waiting to say, why'd you do that? They need so much help at this stage when they're beginning to walk in Christ because there's so much against them, so much coming against them. That's where the church has to be patient, right? You know, you hang around with, I, I like hanging around some people who just get saved, they're cussing up a storm. It's like, you know, we really want to not talk like that anymore. But I, what I like is their honesty, you know? It's like, that's not right. Jesus wouldn't want to do that. Jesus would be blipping, blipping mad. Well, I get your heart on that. But the language, need, language, let's work on the language, right? And, 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 and all these different things. So we've got to help them, but instead of condemn them and work with them. So Jesus says, pick up your mat. But here's, here's the thing. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? See, we got saved, so we're walking out of darkness into his glorious light. Now, I know we're saved. Please, um, I know that we are positionally made righteous, immediately sanctified before God, sealed by the Spirit, and saved. Got it. You're not working towards your salvation. But you're working that salvation out. In other words, it has to manifest through your life. You begin to wor- walk out the position you are in. And so you're walking out of what you used to be into what you're becoming. And we're all on this road, right? Have you made it? No, because Paul, right, even said, I have not obtained fully. So we need to walk it out. So in this walk, he's saying, you need to separate light from darkness. So it's a separating process. And some of us are slow on the walk to separate out. 
We've got to do this, brothers and sisters. We've got to begin to separate. Now, how many of you know in the Old Testament, that's why God gave certain dietary laws. He gave certain laws about not mixing different fabrics. You're not supposed to mix seed in the fields. Uh, And that was like, well, what's that all about? That's Old Testament. I don't need to know that. It's all about the teaching on holiness and purity. And, And so you don't mix corn seed with wheat seed because you're going to have a mess of a crop so you separate and the word separate is holiness all right it's to set apart you don't mix this fabric with this fabric because when you wash it it will shrink at different rates and pull apart what does god care about that that's not the point the point is holiness separating learning in your everyday functions what is holy and what is not do you know our everyday functions comes down to yes no and your yes and your no are holy tools for your decisions and it's that simple so don't mix your yes with a no or a vice versa when it comes to holiness let it be clear let it be distinct that's our walk we're walking it out now what do we need to do in our walk we picked up our mat there's something else we need to pick up Jesus said, pick up your cross. Now, let's just understand the language. Why would Jesus say that? He says it in Luke 9, 23. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. All right. Let's see. Pick up his cross daily and follow me. We'll follow Jesus where? Where was Jesus headed? Ultimately, to the cross, till Golgotha. That's where he was going. He said, you pick up your cross, come on with me. We're all going there. I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Pick up your cross every day. Well, do I need to re-crucify myself? It's a mindset that Jesus is talking about. Yes, you've been saved. Yes, you've been identified with him on the cross, but you need to get your brain engaged in that concept. Every day you need to crucify, and if to say crucify in the Roman world at that time meant death, put to death. We need to put to death our flesh every day. We've been fully redeemed, we've been sanctified, given a spirit of holiness, but as Romans 12 says, our mind is not renewed. And as Romans tells us, we're still in this flesh container and this flesh is rebellious. And Jeremiah said it best when he described the heart. It is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's the flesh. So the only way to deal with the flesh is not coddle it, not retrain it. A lot of Christians retraining their flesh. And it'll just take on a new shape and another form of sin. Jesus' only remedy for the flesh is what? Kill it. Kill it. Daily. Daily. We don't want to hear that. We want to hear grace. We want to hear mercy. We want to hear, it's all right. We're good to go. Just do the best you can. And, And Jesus is demanding more than that. Can I tell you why Jesus is demanding more than that from us? Because he put his own spirit in us. He knows the potential of what is in us. Because it's him. 
And so he has a high demand on our righteousness. It cost him everything. Do you think it's too hard? Do you think it's too much that Jesus would demand a higher calling on our lives? That Jesus would demand a greater level of righteousness in our decision making and in our living? Is that just too much? I mean, God said, be ye holy as I am holy. Really? Yes, really. How am I supposed to do that? I put my spirit of holiness in you. Now, what you need to do is crucify your flesh so that that righteous life can live freely. So that's a decision, isn't it? It's a renewing of the mind. It's a progressive thing. We're all working on it together. He says this in Romans 12, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, what he did, how he forgave us, how he offered his son, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, how do we offer ourselves as living sacrifices? We, we often cut these two verses apart. Put them together and get the conclusion. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, which is the reasonable act of daily life. How do you do that? By transforming, by renewing your mind, right? He says that you do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how you offer yourself a living sacrifice. how we do it it is a process of decision making I mean all the spiritual stuff you need is there it is an offering to God bottom line is life is an act of worship every decision you make is an act of worship will I honor God or my flesh Will I die to myself? Now, I don't know about you, but death is an unpleasant thing. And I I would suspect that maybe tonight to improve our walk, we would need to ask Jesus, will you help crucify my flesh? Because we can get to a place where we nail the nail in our feet, and we can, if you're right or left-handed, you could hold a nail and go wham and nail your other hand. I'm crucified with Christ. But you can't get that last hand, can you? And that's when God comes and says, it's not good enough. But Lord, I've crucified my feet. I've crucified my hand. But I still can do kind of what I want with this one. And God demands more. Is it okay that I would say that God would demand of us? Isn't it funny in our culture that anybody would put a demand on me? God's too nice. He doesn't need to put a demand on me. God's demand is, give me your hand, your last hand, and let me save you from yourself. Because it's that loose hand that is continuing to do the damage and never get us to that next level in our walk 
It's painful. It's weeping, it's wailing, it's crying out to God. It is being open enough to God for him to point out the sin that so easily besets us. That we excuse under the guise of his grace. Well, of course there's grace for us. We're full of sin. Of course there's grace for us. That's not the question. The question is obedience. The question is that higher level of walk. That greater stretching forth that says, Jesus, I have been stubborn and I have been rebellious. God, I offer you the last ounce of freedom this hand has had. Would you crucify it so I can die and be resurrected in you? That's the walk. This is a process we're in. That's why Paul said to Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. You see, we've translated that in English to say, study to show yourself approved. The King James is actually a very poor translation here, where it says, study to show yourself approved. So we all think, oh, i got to do Bible study. If I read a couple chapters, I'm good. If I take a couple classes, I'm good. But the verse actually says, present yourself to God. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Do you love Jesus or do you know a lot about him? It's a big difference, isn't it? It really is. I want to be a people who are passionately in love with Jesus, obeying him. We may not understand all the dictates of theology, but I live by the breath of God as he speaks to me, and I want to obey him. This is a walk. This is the walk of Christ. Now, how do we do this? He says this, walk in the Spirit. Can I tell you that's why we have to crucify our flesh? We have to crucify our flesh. And I'm not standing up here. Listen, I'm walking with all of us. We're all walking together. I'm not standing up here saying, well, I have done this, my brothers and sisters, and as you can see, I'm living the perfect life. (laughs) If you're really honest before God, we should stay broken before Him. I know I'm the righteousness of God. I know what He's called me to. I know my position and gifting and calling. But I walk in it in humility because I recognize between him and me at night, there's a lot of problems. And I need to be crucified in my flesh. Tomorrow morning when I get up, there's new mercies and another nail that I need to crucify this flesh. Because sometimes I act out. How about you? I get impatient. I get weary of certain people. And, and attitudes flare up, right? But see, the only way out of this is, is I have to kill my flesh so that I can walk in the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. That's where He wants us walking. This walk is a walk now out of what you used to be, out of the flesh patterns, out of the addictions, out of the, just the flesh, flesh nature. Do you know what? Our minds deceive us. Do you know what the flesh encompasses? It encompasses your emotions. Look at folks. Be careful about what you feel. This feels right. Yeah, well, does it line up with the Word of God? Because your feelings are part of your flesh and they're corrupt. 
So maybe it feels right and you're feeling the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't contradict His Word. Right? And I've had a lot of people tell me that they feel they should do this in a direct contradiction to what the Word of God teaches. It's like, ah, you feel that, but that's a corrupt thought. Our, mind, our emotions are corrupt. Our will is corrupt. Our intellect is corrupt. It's not fully redeemed. It's in the process. And it has nothing to do with intelligence. It has to do with the motivation of the heart. So if we can crucify the flesh, now we begin to walk more and more in the Spirit. When you walk in the Spirit, what do I want to do with that stuff anymore? I'm bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Right? Goodness, faithfulness, self-control. So we're wanting to walk in the Spirit. We're still walking. Word of God's still talking about walking. This is a progressive thing. So this is the next stage of our lives. We're walking as believers. Galatians 5.16 says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And that's simple. Yeah. That's simple to say. Walk by the Spirit, don't gratify the desires of the flesh. James put it this way, he says that all sin is because the lust of the flesh. It's enticed by temptation, and when it bears seed and life, it'll bring death to us. It's in our choices, we're back to choices again. We need to walk in the Spirit, then we won't walk in the flesh. It's one or the other. And that's what God wants us to do. He goes on in the verse down later in that chapter, if we live by the Spirit, let us also what? Keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I like that also. There's walking with the Spirit. I remember walking with my kids. Walk with my kids. But some of them didn't keep in step. They're walking with me just really far away. Now, I remember trying to cross Harper with my kids. Oh, yeah. It's a freeway now. I don't know. I think they put the speed limit up to 50. What is it, 40? 40. Harper! 40 miles an hour. Crazy. I live right at Fraso. There's no stoplight between 10 and 11 miles. So I'd have my kids on our bikes because we're going to go down to Jefferson. And I remember trying to walk across there. And I wanted them to walk with me. They were walking with me, but they weren't keeping in step with me. That's scary stuff. So we'd make it to the center. <laughs> come here, come here, come here. Get your bikes. Okay, you ready? When I say go, we go. All right? Okay, Dad. All right. Go! And they're like, come on, run! And I wonder how much the Holy Spirit does that with us. I'm walking with you. But I love the keep in step part, right? What does it mean to keep in step? Lock step. You with me? You with me? Come on. Come on. Keep in step with the Spirit of God. What do you have to do to keep in step? Pay attention. You have to listen. A cadence. I like that. Stay in step, stay in sync, listen, pay attention. I, I used to play uh, in marching bands. I was a drummer, and I used to play in a fife and drum corps, uh, early American 
fife and drum corps. And you know why they had fife and drum corps? Do you know why they had drummers? Because on the battlefield, they couldn't hear in the noise of the battle. And then when they heard a particular cadence, it would signal to them how to keep in step with the rest of the army. And so they would play a particular cadence that would say, retreat, you want to pay attention to that cadence. Because if you're not paying attention and everybody's going that way and you're going this way, (laughs) you weren't paying attention. So in the battle, you need to hear what beat the Holy Spirit is saying. There are times to win a war, you retreat back. There are times you reposition, move to the left, move to the right. There were cadences for every maneuver on the field. And you needed to understand what they were so that you would stay in step. But a lot of us aren't walking that way with the Lord. We're just walking, I'm saved, I'm good. Right? Walking across the battlefield, licking our lollipops. (laughs) We're in a war. we got to get our act together and walk in the Spirit. Now, there's, some of us have wax in our ears. Some of us are distracted. We gotta, that's what the Holy Spirit's working on, all that stuff. Let's get that out. Let's work on this. Let's learn. And this is the process of the walk. And so that's where we're at. Now, again, remember these stages, I'm, I'm dividing them, but they, they actually move all the way through our life from being born again to when we are with the Lord Jesus Christ. So some of these things are going to apply all the way through. Now, what do you have to watch for? In order to walk and progress your walk in Jesus Christ, you have to pick up your mat, leave the old stuff behind, pick up your cross, kill the flesh, walk in the Spirit, and avoid these couple pitfalls. At this stage, walking, there's two things the enemy wants to do. And so you need to fly above them with a renewed mind, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to avoid patterns and programs. This is a problem for Western thinkers, for Americans. We like programs. We like everything neat and tucked, right? And that's what happened with the Pharisees. They had a religious program. It was called the law. But they took the law, and they added to it their programs, Right? So a man can get healed from paralysis from 38 years and they're upset because he was carrying his mat. Get with the program, pal. We don't carry mats on Sunday. I've just been healed. You can have my mat. Woo! It's crazy. Patterns and programs. He says we're to renew our minds from the patterns of this world. Sin works in patterns. It cuts ruts in us. And so so our lives are run in patterns. How many of you have a patterned life? Right? I mean, we're so routine. We get up at a certain time. We brush our, our teeth before we shower. And then we, right? Or, or maybe your pattern's different. I mean, seriously, we are so patterned that we do the same thing every day. You get your multo meal or whatever, your cream of wheat, or your, you get your milk and you like that with your 
cream cheese and your uh, whatever, or you go and stop for your coffee at Tim Hortons, the same person in line that was in front of you every day. Do you know what I mean? We are so patterned. And don't think for a minute that we don't have sin patterns in us that are triggered by where we sit in our house and where we go and what we think and what all this. We're just patterned. And those patterns, he says, you need to renew your mind. You need to get out of those patterns that have been working in you for so long. And also, get out of the programs of religious thinking. God does not want religion. He wants relationship. Programs have rules and regulations, but Jesus wants them out. He wants a relationship. That's what walking in the Spirit is. That's why the New Testament doesn't have a list of, you can do this, you can't do this, you can do that, you can't do this. It doesn't really do that. Do you know why? It doesn't need to. Because you have the one who wrote the Bible living in you. The resource is here. So it's not so much regulation and list with, there's, there's your religious people, we've got our doctrines and rules posted you can do this, you can't do it. But what God wants you to do is walk with him, talk with him, speak with him. Is this right? What do you want me to do? His spirit will give you a check. He'll give you something of a conviction where someone else has no conviction at all. He'll, he'll say, I don't want you in that place. Yeah, but Joe gets to go. How many of you remember that with Peter and John? Peter, feed my sheep. For when you are old... You will not be able to dress yourself and you will go this way and your life will be ended this way. And Peter goes, what about John? It's like, dude, <laughs> it's none of your business. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants in our walk. We need a walk that is listening to the voice of the Spirit every day, that is sensitive to Him, hearing Him, that what I'm saying to you is going to be prompted by the Spirit in me. Not because of something that uh, is a program or an idea or a rule or regulation. Jesus busted that open with that man and said, pick up your mat and walk. So brothers and sisters, I close with this. We need to walk in the Spirit, keeping in step with Him. This is the next growth stage of the Christian stages of healthy growth. And I would challenge you, as I've challenged myself tonight, that God has a greater demand on you tonight for righteousness. For all of us. And if I could speak in a sense of the prophetic of what he's saying to us, us people here, this isn't just a general sermon for anybody to hear, but for us right now, he's demanding of you and I, the people in this house right now, he's demanding a greater righteousness out of us. A greater commitment to walking in step with his spirit because he knows what he can achieve through us if we would respond to him let's bow our heads